One of the things that I love about the continuing life of uh, this house is is all of our generations. You know, the fact that we have, you know, uh, not just the young, but the young at heart here in this house. And uh, so we're just, I'm just so thrilled about the things that I see the Lord doing here. Um, you know, how many of you uh, enjoyed the... Uh, uh, the welcome crowd in the in the uh, out in the parking lot today wasn't that awesome? And uh, I, you know, I know they've been doing that for a while, but uh, it, I, when when you hear the music pulsing through the wall in my office, you can do that. I'm like, yes, this is a cool place. And uh, um, so, you know, for those of us that have gotten beyond the age of cool, I still remember what it was like to be cool, but you know. And uh, how do you know if you got it? Just ask a young person. You'll know. They'll tell you. They'll tell you straight up. You're not cool any longer. And uh, that's okay. At least I can hang around people that are. And uh, so, uh, anyway, so good to, good to be here this morning. Hey, time is getting away from us. I do need to share with you that uh, my dear mother-in-law, Dolores Smith, went to be with the Lord Friday morning. Um, and uh, many of you already knew that, and, but we wanted to uh, let you know that, uh, you know, we appreciate so much your, uh, your support and encouragement. There were just steady, uh, a steady uh, crowd of visitors that were there, so much so that at one point the hospice nurse said, y'all need to let her rest, get out of here. And, uh, but uh, so many people just wanted to love on her and uh, express their support uh, for her and the family. And so, um, so, she, uh, so the details are on Wednesday night, at 6 o'clock, uh, there will be a one-hour greeting of uh, friends at uh, Hog Funeral Home just up the street. Um, that happens on Wednesday. And then on Thursday morning uh, at 11 a.m., there will be a celebration of life for Delora here in this house. And then afterwards, we'll, uh, after the gravesite, we'll come back and there will be uh, food over there in the, in the Burge building. We can spend some time and share some Delora stories and, and just celebrate her life together. Um, what a life lived well. Can I just say that? Can I just say, if they don't come any better than my mother-in-law, she was just awesome. And uh, so, so privileged in our lives to have had her uh, for as long as we did. And so thankful. Um, so lot, they're, they're going to be tears, but they're going to be tears of joy. And, uh, and so, you know, the country of heaven is uh, becoming more and more and more uh, inhabited by people that I know and love. And uh, I'm looking forward, right? Uh, and uh, we got work to do, uh, but, but uh, the country of heaven is looking really wonderful right about now. So uh, this morning, I'm finishing up the series called I Want My Family Back, uh, at least my part of it. I hope you'll be here next week for uh, Jimmy Bratcher and the story that you're going to hear shared. Um, so if you need a set of notes, there should be a set of notes right around you. There's also the electronic version and you version events uh, today. And we're going to share with you uh, some, uh, some thoughts uh, regarding this. The, the, today's uh, title is called Heaven's Fire for Your Home. Heaven's fire for your home. And, and, and in the interest of time, I'm going to try to squeeze in what was probably about a 35-minute message into about, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes or something like that today. But um, uh, I, I want us to, to really grapple with a, a couple of thoughts in this text, uh, these texts that I'm going to share with you today. Your, your, family, your, is a, your family is a delivery system for the life of God. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what your family was like growing up. If you, if I sat with you for a few minutes, I, I and ask a question: What was Christmas like around your house? 
What was Thanksgiving like? What were the traditions? What were the things that were always said, always done? What could you predict? What could you predict? One of the things that I could predict about spending time with uh, Holly's family, since we're on the Holly's family subject, when Holland was alive, um, we would, uh, he would come home after church, and after we had a meal, he would sit down in the chair, um, and he would, uh, he would turn on a football game, mute it, and promptly fall asleep. Wasn't that predictable, Daniel? You could, you could see him doing that, right? Pops would just sit there, and, and uh, he didn't like to listen to the commentators. They irritated him, so he would mute the thing, and he would watch the game, and then he'd fall asleep, you know, and then wake up later and find out what happened. And uh, that was a predictable thing. If I went around the room, I could, I could find out the, what were the predictable things that were going to happen when you, about the time that you did something wrong in your home, after you received the kind of the, whatever the discipline was, if it was corporal punishment, you know, if you got the spanking or whatever, you used, there was usually a lecture. But, the, but, but what if, you know, what if it was you were older and you were beyond the corporal punishment thing? Then what, what did your parents say? You should have known better. Or I told you. So, or there was, there's going to be something, there's a script, right? There's a family script that goes along with, uh, you know, uh, moms and dads just remember this. They don't remember what you say. They only remember what you keep saying. So keep saying it. You needed that affirmation. Some of you, it's like, why am I, why, why do I need, yeah, just keep saying it. Just keep, they'll remember it. They won't, after a while, they won't be able to get it out of their heads, right? And uh, so the reason that this is important is because God has entrusted his story. It's not just history, but it's his story. And he's entrusted it to you to make sure that it gets passed on through your family line into your children. And the reason that this is so important is found right here in Malachi chapter 4. It's in your notes. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the, of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Can I tell you the reason why the devil hates family is because family is the delivery system to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. If family breaks down, there is no, there is no delivery system in place where kids can grow up understanding what a father is like, understanding what nurture is like, understanding who Jesus Christ is, you in your family translate God to your kids. You may not think that there are prophets and priests in the world, but dad, you're the prophet of God to your child. Mom, you are the priest and the prophet of God to your child. This is what the Lord says our lives are about. This is what the Lord says is important. This is, what, this is how we live as a family. Uh, growing up, my kids did what your kids do. They'll have a conversation with you. Mom, everybody's going out. Mom, everybody's going to see this movie. Well, not everybody because you're not going. <laughs> Number one. Number two, they can do that, but I'm not their dad. If I was their dad, they wouldn't be going, right? This is what Kramers do. Just fill in the blank with your name. This is, what's, this, is what, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we look at the world. And you know what? Own that. Mom and dad, own that. Live with that. You need to do that. Kids need those parameters. They need, that, they need to have that clarity. This is the boundary. This is the way the rest of the world lives. Well, we don't live like the rest of the world. 
We, we take what the Holy Spirit makes clear to us as parents and shows us what we need to do, and then we communicate that to our kids. And, and Malachi says, here's, here's the issue. Now, you got to realize this is the last verse in the Old Testament. There's 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. And God says that this is what has to happen. The prophet Elijah is going to come, and he's got to do what? He's got to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And if he doesn't do that, there's a curse on the land. What's the curse? The curse is that the delivery system is cut off, and the wisdom of God can't leapfrog from one generation to the next generation. It doesn't pass. It doesn't pass through. Right? If you, had, if, if you were a person uh, that was uh, diving, uh, going scuba diving, and there became a blockage in your oxygen, how long are you going to live? You know, that you need that oxygen to survive. In order for the gospel, the, the life of Jesus, the spiritual life of Jesus to pass from one generation to the next, there has to be a clear uh, conduit from, one, from the fathers to the, to the hearts of the sons and daughters. And if that gets disrupted somehow, then the, then the wealth that God gives one generation won't pass to the next. I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again today. The wealth of the nations is in the generations. It's not, in, it's, not just, it's not just an inheritance that's somewhere in, a, in an account somewhere. The wealth of the wisdom of what God taught you, he didn't just give to you. He gave it so that it could be passed along. And if the hearts are not there, what happens a lot of times, I'm just going to give you the cliff notes of this. I, I developed it a little bit more at 8 o'clock. But what happens is in our lives is oftentimes our kids don't reject God. They reject us. They don't reject the message. They reject the messenger. And I can tell you some reasons why that happens, but oftentimes it just has to do with our, maybe our style, maybe our personality, maybe we're just, maybe we're too rough when we, when we should be more gentle, maybe we're too gentle when we should be more firm. But there are things that we do as parents that have to do with our own human limitations. And if we can rely on the Lord to help us to, to hold fast to the promises of God as a family and to always point our kids to the promise then the promise is never limited by our personality. Are you with me? We create an atmosphere where kids can take a hold of the promise of God. So uh, I'm going I'm to share a couple of those uh, thoughts with you from the Word today. Um, here's the thing that, uh, that I want us to get a hold of. God wants to inhabit our houses. God wants to be seen in our homes. Your story, your, your story is God's story to your kids. The Bible says you are living epistles. That God isn't writing on tablets of stone. He's writing on the tablets of human hearts. And your testimony is your story and it's your God story that needs to be uh, com continually communicated to the lives of our kids. There's a promise in Joel chapter 2 that when the Holy Spirit was, uh, was going to be poured out, that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I don't know. You know, AARP uh, decides when you're old enough to be an old person, right? Any, anybody realize that they start sending you stuff at like 50? They, do they start earlier? I don't know. I, I got my first AARP uh, advertisement at like 50. I said, this is wrong. Somebody ought to do something about this. You know what God says, your young men see, this is how you know young and old. Your young men see visions, your old men dream dreams. I think it may be because old people sleep more. I don't know. 
I don't know. That part hasn't hit me yet. I sleep less than I used to. And, uh, but anyway, young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. And, and the Holy Spirit would be poured out. He says the Holy Spirit is the bridge. He's the one to connect the hearts of the fathers with the children. The Holy Spirit does this work. And let me tell you, it's through the promises of God that we become partakers of the divine nature. We need the promises of God in our families to keep the fire of God burning on the altars of our hearts. Are you with me? In uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 33, this is, uh, this is today uh, is the day of Pentecost. This is, a, uh, uh, you know, Pentecost Sunday. We celebrate the 2,000 years ago, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, this, is, this is the Holy Spirit story. This is where it starts here in the, in the book of Acts. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. This is Peter's sermon. He's telling them about what had happened, these people from all around, outside of Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And Peter gets up to preach, and he says, you know, folks, this is the promise of the Father. This is the Holy Spirit. He has come to, to do this work. And I, I want you to, to, to grasp what I put in, in bold letters in your notes. What you now see and hear. Can people see and hear that God is active in your home? Can people see and hear what your passion is in, around your, your dining room table? Here's what concerns me. Some of us are more passionate about our ball team than we are about making sure that our kids know Jesus. Some of, our, of us are more passionate about our, our cars and our boats. We're more passionate about making sure the house is clean. We're more passionate about our careers. We're more passionate about a lot of things. Can I tell you that it, th those things are going to pass away? Can I just give you a value instruction here? Things that are valuable are things that e are eternal. They don't cost money. Your kids are eternal. Oh, well, okay, they do cost money. But, but you understand what I'm saying? You know, you, you, you got them you got them as it were for free that dna that little soul is eternal and you got to feed them and you got to look after them but if all you do is feed them and look after them and you don't impart spiritual truth to them we're missing it every one of them is going to stand before jesus they may never be pro uh, baseball players but they're going to stand before jesus so keep the eye on the ball that's good but keep your eye on jesus better Right? Uh, how do you live in a, in a, in a world that, that says, do anything you want? Mom and dad, you can't, you can't let them under, you know, our world is getting to a place where we, we, we have consulted for years legality, but legality isn't morality. And our world tells, tells us things that are immoral are legal. We've got to tell a different story in our home. We've got to tell a different story. We've got, to, we've got to connect our children to the eternal word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living a legal life? No. By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Let me tell you, there's a, whole, there's a world of difference between what's legal and what's righteous. Used to be those, the two mirrored one another. Not in our world any longer. You can't, just be, you can't just say, be a law-abiding citizen and you'll be okay. Righteousness before the Lord is far different between what our government accepts as legal. Are you, are you tracking with me? 
there are three promises that we need to claim over our families, okay? And, uh, and let's go quickly through this. The right to become children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. I want you, I want you to, to, I want to draw your attention to the verbs that are here. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. It, it, you have to receive him. Moms and dads, stress this, stress this to your kids. It doesn't matter. As soon as they're old enough to understand, kids can learn who Jesus is very, very, very young. We prayed with a waitress yesterday, and she surprised me by turning around and praying for us. Uh, and uh, in that moment, I said, how long have you known Jesus? She said, since I was seven. And Holly began to communicate, well, I've known Jesus since I was five. And, and you know, th those, those moments where we, we have the opportunity to converse, but when did you receive Jesus? Moms and dads, be the person that says, are you ready to receive Jesus yet? Be the person that, whether it's a, a, a casual conversation, driving down the road. Uh, you know, it, one, of, one of my kids, it was that way, driving down the road, and one of the kids started asking questions. Holly pulled over, and, and they received Jesus right there. You know, uh, when, when is it time? Well, your kids will let you know, but you've got to make sure the atmosphere is right. You've got to set the atmosphere for that kind of conversation to take place, right? The parable of the sower, we can't control uh, what the, what's in the seed. The seed has the power to reproduce. The only thing we can control is, is what's in the soil, what's in the heart. You've got to create the soil. You can't have a bunch of weeds in there. You can't have a bunch of thorns in there. You've got to make sure that there's some depth in there, right? And so, uh, yet to all who received him, to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. They had the right to speak to him. Everybody say to him. We have the right to speak to him, and we have the right to speak for him. A lot of us in this room might not feel like you have the right to speak for him. Can I tell you that Jesus ha says, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Do we have a responsibility to understand the word? Yes. Do we have a responsibility to educate ourselves and understand more about uh, how God wants things done? Yes. Do, but, but don't ever stop. Don't ever be limited by your knowledge because let me tell you, knowledge will continue to increase in the world. You can always study another commentary. You can always study another. But don't let that keep you from speaking up for God, being a person who speaks to God in prayer, but then speak for God. Speak for God. You say, Pastor Ken, I could never do that. Well, can I tell you that Jesus, said, Jesus doesn't expect you to have all the answers. And here's how he's overcome that. The same spirit that anointed Jesus anoints you. The same Holy Spirit that is the spirit of truth, the one that wrote the Bible, by the way, he abides on the inside of you. That anybody ever found yourself in a situation and you said, man, somebody ought to speak up and then finally the Holy Spirit kind of does one of these. <laughs> what about you? And you start, you just say, I, 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 
I think something needs to happen here. And, uh, and you start to talk. And before you know it, you sound so good. You want to take notes on you. How did that happen? It wasn't you. I mean, I really want to pat you on the back and say, good job, but it wasn't you. You know, Jesus told his early disciples, he said, you know, when they drag you before kings, when they drag you in front of, uh, in front of judges, and you don't have to worry about what you're going to say right then because your heavenly Father will speak through you. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And let me tell you, I'd rather be blessed than smart any day of the week. How about you? The Holy Spirit will give us what we need in that moment. We have the right to speak to him and the right to speak for him. Three promises that we need to get a hold of. The second one is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Moms and dads, talk to your kids not just about Jesus. Talk to them about the Holy Spirit. Talk to them about the importance of having God's power in their life. Let me tell you, the, uh, there are two metaphors that are used in the book of John for the Holy Spirit. The first one we find in John chapter 4, where Jesus talks to the woman at the well. And he says, salvation is going to be like a, uh, you know, it's going to be like a well. It's going to spring up in you for eternal life. But there was a second metaphor that he described water, and he talked about rivers of living water flowing from within you, found in John chapter 6, 7, somewhere in the rivers of living water flowing. And he says, and it says there, by this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We need, we need the Holy Spirit in us so that we might experience salvation and know who Jesus is. But we need the Holy Spirit upon us so that other people can respond to the power of God. Other people can hear the message of the gospel through us. I have a well at my house, and my well takes care of my home. But the York River, the York River, uh, you know, it affects the entire eastern seaboard. The York River uh, takes care of, of a county and a community. The York River, there's a difference between a well and a river. And God describes the Holy Spirit in both ways. There is a well, a spring of living water bubbling up on the inside of me. He takes care of me and my salvation. But then there is a river of God, a river of anointing, a river of power that God wants to flow through you to change your world, to change your community, to change your city, to change your state to change the world. Rivers of living water will flow from within you. By this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Have you talked to your kids about the Holy Spirit? Have, they, have you described to them what it is that God wants to do in their life? Can I tell you, my, my walk with God did not take off until I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That I lived a solid year. I was, I was a student of the Word, studying the Bible, in the books. And in the first week when I got to Valley Forge, where God directed me to go uh, to, to get a Bible college education, I got with a bunch of students, and they prayed for me to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, man, the lights came on. Where was this all my life? I had no clue. The promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, this is, this is uh, Peter's words. Therefore, tell all Israel, uh, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He, he doesn't pull any punches. Peter says, you crucified him. You, those of you in the cross, you put him on the cross. 
And he said, when the people heard this, he, he, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? How do we get out from under God's thumb? We, we, we put ourselves in a bad position. We, we were ignorant. We didn't know. And this is what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. And then he uses a, a, a Jewish statement uh, that means this is perpetual. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all who are in Gloucester, Virginia, 2,000 years from this date. That's who the promise is for. For all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit in your home. God wants to put His fire in your home. You, got, you have struggles um, with, uh, with your kids, uh, dealing with uh, issues at school, peer pressure kind of things. Turn on the fire at home. That doesn't mean that you're going uh, to talk down to them. It means, come on, let's pray. Let's ask God for His anointing. Let's ask God to do a work. Let's ask God to do some ministry here. Can I tell you, I'm glad that this house has been a house where people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and the fire of God has been continual in this house for years and years and years and years. That this house is a house. That what's unique about Lighthouse, more than any other church that I've ever been a part of, is the atmosphere that's created by people who say, I want more of the Holy Spirit. That I want more, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, y'all, you know it's true. You know, and, and it changes the atmosphere. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit will change the atmosphere in, in a church, He will change the atmosphere in your home. You're trying to accomplish in the, by natural means what God can only do by spiritual means in your home. You know what? If you'll just walk with what he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He said, this is the promise. It's a promise. God is not a man that he should lie. This is a promise. You will receive. Anybody here need power? You say, well, Pastor Ken, I don't plan on being a preacher. You, you want to be a good husband? You need power. You want to be a good wife, you need power. You want to go to Walmart and walk, walk in the power of God, you need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the world wants to wear us down. The world wants to, wants to tread us underfoot. The world wants to get us to the place where we don't know which way is up. You need the power of God. The promise of the Holy Spirit. The last promise I want to talk to you this morning about is the promise of greater things. Now, the scripture tells us here in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, this is Jesus, anyone who has faith in me, not anyone who is a minister of the gospel, not anyone who is in the assemblies of God, not anyone who is Baptist, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Do you hear that? Do you hear that he puts no restraint? You know, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You know, uh, scholars look at that and they say, okay, what does greater mean? 
What does is, what is greater things mean? Okay, does that mean greater in number? Well, that makes sense because Jesus is only one. And after the Holy Spirit is poured out, there are 100, 120 in the upper room. They all get filled with the Holy Spirit. Then another 3,000 get saved. So even if one person does a miracle, you know, uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit after that day, certainly that's greater than what Jesus was. It's, it's greater numerically. But how could anybody do greater in quality? You know, uh, feeding of the 5,000, that's cool. You know, how, but how can you beat that? How can you beat the lame walking? How can you beat the blind eyes opening, the deaf ears being unstopped? Uh, how can you beat all that? How can you beat the resurrections uh, in, in Jesus' ministry? Can I tell you that greater things means both of those? Both of those. Greater things. More people have been saved now since Jesus went to heaven. More people are, are, are being added to heaven daily than they did the entire time that Jesus walked the earth. Think about that. Greater things. Greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. You know, I, I, I just have this hope down on the inside of me that every time I'm confronted with a circumstance that looks impossible, Lord, you said greater things. Greater things than these shall you do. That nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Nothing's impossible with him. And so these three promises, that you have a right to become a child of God. That you can be born again, not because you're somebody special, but because he's somebody special. Not because you are righteous, but because he is righteous. Not because you have it all together, but because Jesus has it all together. You have the right to become a child of God. Isn't that amazing? That's a word we've got to get a hold of. That's a word that needs to be talked about in our homes. And for our kids, kids, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God in your life. You need to believe God for the impossible things. Can I tell you, it was, it was right here. In the, it's not the pew anymore. It's the seat. But the first time I ever saw somebody's leg lengthened, it was right here in this spot. I watched a man named John Rollins pray for uh, uh, Sister Jenkins. She had, back, she had back issues. She had real bad back pain. And I watched as John just put both her legs out there. And I could see, I was standing right there, and I could see that one leg was a little bit... Uh, he had her, he, he said, sit all the way back so that your back is all the way back against that pew. And one leg was a little shorter than the other. And it was causing this, this back pain. And John just held his hands out here. He didn't do anything. He just held his hands out there, looked at those feet and said, Jesus! And I watched a leg jump. And he just jumped. And she was surprised. She didn't, she didn't do it. She was like, whoop! And she stood up. She said, all the pain's gone. All the pain's gone. Greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Can I tell you that in, in, uh, in 1995 that I preached at a, uh, in, in India with a large crowd. There's about 20,000 people there. That I personally prayed for three blind men and their eyes were all opened that I prayed for four deaf people and their ears were unstopped just as soon as I would pray over them, that the name of Jesus has power. You see, the name of Jesus. It's not anything, Ken Kramer, it's Jesus. I can't heal people. Jesus heals people, though. Jesus, the greater things. The greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. I'm keeping a, a personal list. I'm just going to share this with a, a few hundred of my closest friends. 
but I'm, I'm keeping a personal list of the miracles that I watch Jesus do in my ministry because it's his ministry. It's not, it's not mine, it's his. But I want to be able to say, Jesus, I took you up on your word. I took you up on your word. When uh, back in 2003, uh, I believe it was, we were in Rakai, uh, Africa, in, in Uganda. And Rakai is the place where it's kind of ground zero for the HIV virus. It's where the chimp population, this, this uh, disease that was affecting the chimpanzees, crossed over into the human population. So it's ground zero. There's like nobody uh, that, that were not orphans or widows. Uh, all the chimp hunters in that town died. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the men, a lot of the ladies that were that age, they died, orphans and widows. And I began studying this, and this is one of those things, you know, the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. And I began to study Uganda, began to study, study the Rakai district, and uh, found out that, that the average lifespan of a person in Rakai was like 35 in America, it's, it's like north of, north of 75, right? But all of our medical, but for them, it wasn't. That whole segment of, of the population, gone. And I began to pray that morning with the team. And as we're praying, and I'm, I'm praying in my supernatural life. You, when, you, when you get to the place that you don't know what to do and you don't know how to pray, that's actually advantageous. Because, you know, if you pray wrong, you might mess something up. But if you pray in the spirit, you know you're praying the right prayer. And so I said, oh, I don't know how to pray. And I'm just praying in the spirit, promise of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's part of that promise and that supernatural language. I began to pray in that language. And then, all, and then I just felt like I needed to. I needed needed to say something. I needed to say something in English. And I realized the Holy Spirit was trying to get a message across. And here's the message. He said, you've got to bring the kingdom today. You've got to bring the kingdom today because these people don't have tomorrow. And I realized that I was on a, I was on a timer for the next eight hours that I was there, that I needed to be very, uh, very uh, uh, intentional about the words I spoke, very intentional about the people I talked to, that I was there and the team was there. We were there to bring the kingdom, bring the kingdom. And you know, on the way out of town that afternoon, we stopped by one little, little AIDS hospital and the room was full of people. And we stopped the bus, we got out of the bus, we went and we shared the gospel for 10 minutes, just, just 10 minute testimony. Everybody in the room gave their hearts to Jesus. We had to bring the kingdom. Many of those people didn't live for the next year. Is there an urgency in your soul today? Is there, are you pregnant with the promise of God? I can become, I've been given the right to become a child of God. I've been given the promise of the Holy Spirit. I've been, uh, the Holy Spirit's come upon me. He's doing a work in my own soul. And the greater things, the greater things than these shall you do. Does that, is that promise alive in your heart today? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask those who, who are our prayer partners to just come down and stand here. And uh, I know time's getting away from us. If you need to leave, you can leave uh, quietly. But we're going to, we're going to uh, massage this in this morning. The Holy Spirit's got something that he wants to do. Uh, I know we had a, a word this morning that somebody here in the room has a, a, a lower neck injury. And it's causing not just pain, but it's also causing migraines. Jesus wants to heal that this morning. I believe there are probably other things that the Lord wants to heal. If you need healing, step out from where you're at. Come down. We're going to sing this song together. Can we sing Send the Fire? 
We're going to sing Send the Fire this morning. This is a song that uh, was written by William Booth of the Salvation Army. And uh, every time I sing it, it just, it just sets my soul ablaze. And I just want, to, uh, I want us to end with this this morning. But what are those promises of God? The Holy Spirit this morning, as we are in your presence, we are in your presence. We ask you to set our, our families aflame, God. We want heaven's fire on the altar of our homes, God. We want heaven's fire. We want people that come in to encounter Jesus. This Jesus whom you have crucified has poured out what you now see and hear. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would write your story through our families. That we as family members, Lord God, with partnering with you would be people, Lord God, that allow you to light the flame and tell the story through our lives. Through our lives, God. We want people to be able to see and hear what Jesus is doing through our lives in Jesus' name. Go ahead, brother. Lead us in this song. Oh, God of burning, cleansing flame, send a fire. Your blood-bought gift, today we claim, send a fire today. God of Elijah, God of Elijah, hear our cry, send.
you would go with us, Lord God, and, and set your peace upon your people, Lord God. Lord, that wherever we would go, we would carry the life and the glory of the Lord. And Lord, that your life would continue to uh, proceed out from us. Bless your people as we go. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. If you're